What's going on guys? Your boy Elroy here and welcome back to the Your Boy Elroy MMA podcast. I am your host Josh Prep Igina back again for a pretty decent sized episode of MMA news, notes, reviews and previews. But as always, if you're a new listener, an old listener, and if you're listening to this way after the fact, Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I have a full-time job, which we'll get into in a little bit. I have a family, and aside from spending time with family, this is my favorite thing to do. I love to talk MMA. I love watching MMA. Um, I just, I love it. This is my baby, and uh, I hope that it comes across each and every episode if you have yet to, please do me a favor, hit that five-star button, hit the subscribe button as well, and uh, leave a review. Let me know what you like, what you don't like, because if you don't like it, hey, I'd like to know that as well. Please be aware that you can find the show on Instagram at YBEMMA Podcast, as well as our merch at teespring.com slash stores slash YBE MMA podcast. Without further ado, let's get into some news from this past week in MMA. You know what? Not a lot going on in the full sense of news. Um, A lot of news clearly coming out of the card from this past weekend. But let's talk about some of the stuff going on in the MMA world. So, as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, excuse me, I have a full-time job. Um, And for the last 16 years this year, I've actually been a meat cutter. I've worked in the meat business, whether it be, you know, I I worked in the grind room at plants. Um, I worked trim lines. I've worked machines, machinery when it comes to meat cutting. Um, I've worked grocery, um, but recently I've just been, you know, a supervisor of a plant that cuts for like restaurants, which we call portion control. Um, And I love my job. I love cutting meat. I love everything about it. The The interesting thing about this and what slightly ties into MMA, slightly ties into wrestling is that there was a video released earlier this week of former UFC champion, former WWE every champ, Brock Lesnar, um, meeting up with the Butcher, Bearded Butchers, on their YouTube channel, um, cutting cutting pork and, you know, seaming out some beef sides. It was really cool to watch. I mean, I know that Brock has a farm in Canada, I believe, Saskatchewan. So I I think that he was just trying to hone his skills with people who have been doing it a long time. But it was really cool to watch Brock, even though he's, I believe, almost mid-40s now. He's still in great shape. He's still a monster. And I believe that at any time, Brock could make the call and probably draw a nice crowd at a UFC event, clearly at a WWE event because he has been off for 
a little over a year now, I believe. But um, yeah, I think it was awesome to see my work. How do I put it? My like my expertise of work being put on display with such a big name like Brock Lesnar. It was it was cool to watch, and and I urge everybody. It's like a fourteen minute video to watch it. That the bearded butchers are some of the great like YouTube platform teachers. Even I go there to look because I've I haven't cut a whole cow. Like I'm not a butcher. I'm a meat cutter, but uh. Every time I'm like curious, I go and watch their video breaking down sides of of beef, and you know I get I get into that wormhole. They're they're fantastic. Something that we forgot to cover last week, which I I would love to bring up this week because because you know we brought it up before. I am enjoying the hell out of the Ultimate Fighter. Now I understand that it's not this. It's not like it was. There's not this huge drama or anything like that. It's just MMA. And if you're a fan of fights, you're a fan of this season. I urge anybody who just wants to see good fights to turn into to tune into this season. I'm sorry. Um last week's fight was the best fight of the season thus far, with Ricky Tercio getting the unanimous decision victory over Daniel Ar- Argeleta. Those guys went at it. It was a slugfest. Uh, Ricky Tercio, it was a clash of styles in the personality sense. How, why do I say that? Because Ricky Tercio is someone that has so much charisma, and he is so much fun to watch you know he's he's charismatic he he comes across as genuine as well like it's not like phony charisma it's extremely genuine and uh Daniel Argeleta is someone who is very serious you know he he's very dedicated to the craft and and he has more even the way they look like Ricky Tercio looks like the guy that you want to hang out with at the party and Daniel Argeleta is the one that you kind of want to stay away from because he'd probably beat you up if he drinks enough. But uh, that fight was phenomenal. I urge everybody to go back and watch that. I wouldn't be surprised if that's probably one of the top five best fights of the whole season. Um, but this week, I think they came back strong once again with Brady Heinstein getting the majority decision over veteran Josh Reddinghouse. Again, those guys went after it. Brady Heinstein going at it with the wrestling attack and Josh Reddinghouse um, piecing him up on the feet pretty well, leaving him a bloody mess. Unfortunately, you know, the heart, or fortunately enough for Brady Heinstein, he has all the heart in the world and, uh, Josh Reddinghouse's strikes just couldn't get it done. I, I think that he was kind of beat up from, you know, defending the wrestling and, you know, just being so aware of it that he kind of drained himself of punching power. And Brady's got a chin on him, man, because Josh Reddinghouse was hitting him with some 
some vicious, like extremely vicious uppercuts that would have put down a small zebra. Phenomenal, though. I urge everybody, please, to tune in to The Ultimate Fighter. I think now Alexander Volkanovsky's team has had three straight wins. So now on the season, it's four wins for Brian Ortega, three for Team Volkanovsky. And at the end of this episode, we saw Volk kind of trash talk, saying that belt ain't going nowhere, baby, which I enjoyed. And uh, I'm looking forward to that fight really, really soon. Let's move to Bellator really quickly because a name that, you know, we always talk about the UFC's women's featherweight division being so bare. And, you know, a lot of the fighters, you know, they've gotten let go or they just they just haven't panned out or they've just already been crushed by an Amanda Nunes. Well, the one hope for the women's featherweight division in the UFC, I thought was going to be Invicta FC champ Pam Sorensen. Well, unfortunately for the UFC, and fortunately enough for Bellator, they've gotten a great fighter in Pam Sorensen because she has signed this week. Um, I 100% believe that she will be Cyborg's next fight. Uh, just because Cyborg, she has nothing else to prove. And, you know, I think she would just want to defend, defend, defend as much as possible. And Pam Sorison being such a high-level fighter, I think that it's, a, you know, Cyborg is up for the challenge. You know, she still wants to fight Amanda Nunes again. So we know that Cyborg would fight Pam Sorison as soon as possible. So I'm actually pretty looking forward to that fight. But with that being said, let's get into some actual fight announcements from this past week. Starting off with something that we heard that was rumored, and it's finally confirmed for a main event, Marina Rodriguez versus Mackenzie Dern. We have Jim the Brute Crew versus Jamal Hill. Also a phenomenal fight. It's crazy to think that Jamal Hill's already booked for another fight after what happened to him a few cards ago. Then we have another incredible fight at 135. Rafael Faziv versus Bobby Green. If you remember, Bobby Green was one of the MVPs of the beginning of the pandemic era last year. Starting off, I believe, 3-0 or 4-0. Um, yeah, Bobby Green, it's good to see him back in the cage soon. Then we move on to the big boys. So finally, after countless wins and uh, performance after performance, Lauren Murphy gets her shot at Valentina Shevchenko later on this year. Uh, like I said earlier, we have Volkanovski versus Ortega finally confirmed with a date. And then the surprise, the fight that I didn't know I needed to see again, Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler to five rounds. Yes, you heard it right. Nick Diaz is back against Robbie Lawler once again, and he looks phenomenal. 
Um, I cannot wait to see the, you know, the other Diaz brother, the original Diaz brother. Like we talk so much about Nate, we forgot how great Nick was as a personality, as a martial artist, as a coach. Now, like Nick Diaz, I cannot wait to see him. I know we haven't seen him since the Anderson Silva fight back in 2015, but I can't wait to see what version of Nick Diaz we see. You know, he he hasn't. Let's listen. He hasn't won a fight since 2012, but I'm still more excited to see him fight than either of those fights I said, the two fights before that, the two um, title fights. Like, I cannot wait to see Nick Diaz return. I hope he talks all the crap in the world. I hope that he really comes out there like a Diaz brother and, and gets the win. You know, I would like to see him fight more than once every, you know, six years. But that is it for this week's fight announcements. Actually, a really great great lineup of fights coming up later this year but let's talk about last week's phenomenal fights we all know why you're here ufc 264 review here we go starting off at the beginning of the night um actually first off it was phenomenal phenomenal to see the ufc back in vegas I love the aesthetic of the T-Mobile Arena. The fans were fantastic at the T-Mobile Arena this past weekend. Um, the The view of the celebrities were cool, but my issue with celebrities being at fan at fights is that I don't know how many of these celebrities you know are there at the beginning of the night. I know Stevo. <laughs> Is the is one that I actually do know that is there, right at the beginning of the night. But besides him, I don't think any celebrity is like a diehard fight fan and watches everything from beginning to end. Um, but besides that, I love the aesthetic of the T-Mobile Arena. It was great to be, you know, in there once again for a UFC event. Let's start off at the beginning of the night. Zalgos. Zumagulov gets the standing guillotine choke over Jerome Rivera in the very first round, starting off the card right with a finish and a dominant one at that with Zalgas. I'm looking forward to seeing him once again at 125. This is the guy that we expected when he was signed to the UFC, you know, because he's fought some of the bigger names, a part of that division now back in the day so when he got signed we expected to see this killer and you know he drops his first two fights but uh it was a great finish and uh i hope that this puts him back on the winning track in that division because god knows that division needs names so if he can perform that division will continue to grow we had some veterans at 185 brad tavares versus amari akhmedov brad tavares getting the split decision victory over akhmedov and actually one of the news items amari being let go after this loss um but brad tavares looked fantastic um he is someone who you know 
prior to him getting whooped up on by Izzy, I actually really enjoyed watching Brad Tavares. I think he is supremely underrated and really showed how good he was in this fight. I didn't think it was a split decision, but one thing I knew is that it was a very fun fight. Talking about fun fights, and there's no shortage of them on this card, just so you know. Uh, we had Jennifer Maya against Jessica I, and honestly, I think that this was one of my favorite fights on the card. These women went at it, Jennifer Maya obviously being getting the better of Jessica I in the end, getting the unanimous decision victory, but these girls went at it. They were bloodied up by the end of it, and Jennifer Maya, due to a headbutt, um, an accidental headbutt, Jessica I had about a two-inch gash. You could see that lady's skull. The gash was so deep, two inches across her forehead. Insane, man. But Jennifer Maya gets back to her winning ways, and let's see what she's able to do. You know, 125 is still wide open um, in the women's, you know, 125 division. That division is wide open. Valentina Shevchenko is always looking for challengers. And yes, Maya got beat once, but I think after a few wins, you know, there's a possibility that she can get another shot. And Jennifer Maya is someone who has always struggled with weight issues. And she's someone who could possibly just move up and bring life to the 135 pound division so we'll see where that goes jessica i is someone who i don't usually think of oh this is such a fun fight but let's be honest man she went in there with a i don't give a f attitude and really really showed her skills those three rounds man it was a really fun fight and the blood just really <laughs> you know added to the drama Four fight of the night, Drekis Duplessis versus Trevin Giles. I knew that this would be a good one, but I think personally it exceeded my expectations. Drekis getting the TKO victory over Trevin Giles in the second round. Uh, Giles is really awkward um, in his boxing. I think he landed really well, but Drekis was just too much, and he's extremely powerful. So... Um, He's someone to really keep an eye on at 185. He says that he's looking to be the first real African champion for the UFC. Um, in a shocker, not really, but a really great performance, Ilya Taporia finishes Ryan Hall in the very first round um, by ground and He knocked him out senseless. It was crazy. The hammer fist. Ryan Hall's head bounced off the canvas about a dozen times. Um, but Ilya Taporia, man, that dude is strong. He continues his winning streak. He is 11-0 now. And Ryan Hall, come to find out after the fight, he broke his hand on the first punch he threw. So he kind of felt useless. That's why he kept throwing those rolls in, trying to, you know, engage in a grappling match with Ilya Taporia. Obviously, Taporia is not an idiot, and he has the strength and the striking prowess to, to put it on Ryan Hall and was able to finish him here. Uh, I think after this fight, you know, let's give Ilya 
a, a big name, maybe a ranked opponent, because I think that he's that skilled at 145 that he should he should start to climb the ladder relatively quickly. Um, speaking of someone who I think could have climbed the ladder, but is kind of old, and Alex K. Lee from MMA Fighting said that this guy could be a title challenger. I don't see it, but hey, he always puts on fun fights. Michelle Pajeda defeats Nico Price by unanimous decision. Uh, a fun fight. You know, we saw the crazy backflips from Michelle. He, you know, they talk about, you know, the, the crazy backflips and jumping off the cage. Michelle Pajeda probably has the most smooth-looking Superman punch in the UFC now. He he's landed it once. I believe he was able to finish an opponent off of it one time in the UFC. But man, if that thing lands, it'll be like dynamite. That dude hits like a Mack truck. And it's so much fun to watch. And he can go three rounds. So that's good to know now. You know, he's had um a few decision victories recently, so we know he can last the 15 minutes, even though he he dances his whole way to the cage. Uh, and in the featured prelim, Max Griffin defeats Carlos Condit in an entertaining fight by unanimous decision. Now let's get down to the nitty-gritty. The main card starts off with Sugar Sean O'Malley taking on a late replacement, I believe it was 10 days notice, Chris Motinho. And for three rounds, almost a full three, Sean O'Malley proceeds to box this kid's head off. But no matter what Sean O'Malley hit this kid with, this kid continuously moved forward zombie mode. This dude won over the fans. Um, but unfortunately, he did not win the fight. <laughs> you know, toughness is cool. I love someone who's tough, someone who refuses to give up. But it doesn't always win you titles and win you fights. And unfortunately for this kid, if he would have went to the scorecards, you know, you could have, you could have said some of the, you know, one of the rounds was a 10, seven and a half, like way more than a 10, eight, because 230 strikes is, is just tough to take. So good for Sean O'Malley. You know, I'm still, like he's calling for a rel like a pretty big f jump. Like Luis Smolka is one thing, but last time he faced or last time O'Malley faced a fighter who's on the verge of a ranking, he lost pretty decisively. So for me, for him to make such a big call up, you know, Cody Garbrandt, which is fine, you know, that that sounds like it can happen. Dominic Cruz that that's a nightmare of a matchup for Sean O'Malley and then Rob Font someone with real hands like real hands Sean O'Malley you sure you want to fight Rob Font Rob Font has serious skills so uh good for him on calling his shot I say he gets someone in the uh you know 13, 14, or 15 range, if not another, you know, random fighter outside of the top 15. 
from one fantastic fight to another phenomenal performance. We have Irene Aldana getting the TKO victory over Yanitz Kunitskaya in the very first round. Fortunately enough for Irene, she, you know, her weight miss wasn't harped on that much. Now, I'm not saying that it didn't deserve to be because you got one job, ma'am, and that's to make weight um, and win the fight. <laughs> and you did, you missed weight by a significant amount. So, you know, unfortunately, you were docked pay for that. So you got to make weight. I know being a woman is hard. I 100% believe that. Um, and I agree with that. But you got to make weight. So good on you for winning the fight. But next time, let's come back better in a few months and make weight. Star of the show. No no doubt in my mind. Tai Tuivasa defeating Greg Hardy by knockout in the very first round. Uh, good on Hardy for pointing to the center of the cage. You know, he wanted to stand and bang. Unfortunately enough for him, he got crushed. Uh, it was a tough fight for him, let's be honest. But, hey, good on Ty. Ty looked phenomenal. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. I think, honestly, a star was born this night with Ty. The crowd loves him. He probably got the biggest pop of the night. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of Ty. Hopefully sooner rather than later. You know, he, he did get it done in the first round. So hopefully he sticks around for a little bit and doesn't head back to Australia. Or, Australia or New Zealand, one or the other, out that way. Then we had, you know, a Gilbert Burns decision victory <laughs> over Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Uh, Gilbert did a good job of, of, you know, being able to take Stephen Thompson down. You know, he, he did eat a couple shots while, you know, trying to get him down. But I think that everybody knew that if Gilbert was able to take him down, it was his fight, and good on him. He was able to take Wonderboy down, and with that, Wonderboy's road back to a title shot becomes even more unlikely. Uh, but a fun fight nonetheless. You guys are all here for this. Let's talk about the main event of Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor 3. This fight, honestly as expected, had a huge fight feel. You know, no matter what you think about the notorious Conor McGregor, that dude brings a crowd and then just brings so much emotion out of fans. It is insane to watch live. Like, I was watching this, and, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Conor McGregor. Now... What I respect and what I've always enjoyed was watching his ascent. Now, I remember the first interviews with Ariel. I remember all of his first fights. I remember watching him defeat Eddie Alvarez live at Chickie and Pete's on Robbins and Frankfurt. And just how much of a magical moment that was. Me being from Philly and, you know finding it hard to root for the hometown boy because the challenger was so compelling, you know, and, and you wanted to see that story get through. But he, in my opinion, just isn't, 
that high level anymore. I, I blame, you know, a lot of things. I, I blame the fact that for the majority of his career, you know, he's he's been a stand-up fighter. We've we've never seen him wrestle unless he's panicking. Um, we've never seen him try to throw submissions, you know. It's always been his movement, his strikes, his left hand. Those were the main things. And, you know, his personality played a huge part into why he is who he is. And, you know, this fight, I didn't see anything different than the second fight. You know, he was he was a little more... How do I put it? He was a little more active. He was a lot more busy and he was you know constantly trying to move forward for those first you know three three and a half minutes and and you know he Dustin called it uh Connor tried to throw calf kicks you know Dustin ate a few and then what happened was Connor ends up shooting and uh he he grabs a guillotine that that looked a, a bit tight for a second. I was like, "Whoa, that would be insane if Conor McGregor was able to submit Poirier, but Poirier cage walks and you know, it's it's kind of the beginning of the end for Conor. You know, once he's on his back, it's it's, you know, it's a struggle for him to get up from directly on his back. Now, if he's at a seated position, he's very good at, you know, pushing down on the opponent's head to to lift himself up he's he's fan, he's fantastic at that but Poirier's ground and pound was vicious he landed a lot of significant elbows a lot of good ground and pound and you know we saw Connor panic we saw Connor you know for it's it's a harsh word to say but we saw him cheat we saw him stick his fingers in the glove something that you know we've seen before from him you know he puts his toes in the cage he grabs onto the cage you know those are those are things that Connor has a hard time fighting against but as noted by Dustin once Connor goes in the glove Poirier tries to catch Herb's attention he lets Connor get back up Connor lands another kick he goes to throw a left Poirier goes at the same time. They miss. And once Connor takes his step back on his back foot, he twists his ankle and his ankle snaps. Poirier then goes in, lands a few harsh shots. Connor saved by the bell. In theory, until we see him sit back on the cage and tell the ref that his ankle is broken. And that's the fight. Um, as much as I'd love to keep this about the fight, um, Poirier wins by Dr. Stoppage, a.k.a. TKO. And, um, you know, gracious in, in, in victory and humble in defeat. and uh, Or no, humble in victory, gracious in defeat is Poirier always. But we did see some jaw jacking again. Uh, I think that, you know, he was he was great this week. You know, with the with the line about not Conor Mc, not McGregor fast, McGregor sleep was a great line. Um, and then in his 
post-fight speech or interview with Joe Rogan, he says, one, he tells Connor to shut his bitch ass up. Excuse my language. Uh, but I'm going to say it again because he says another great line, which I thought was one of the flyest of the weekend. Karma isn't a bitch. It's a mirror. Whew. I'm using that. Um, Connor continues to jaw jack, says he's going to kill him in his sleep. His wife's a dirty, you know what? It was, it was just so uncalled for. And this show is about mixed martial arts. We like to highlight the art. We talk about the fights, you know, and, and the, and you know what? The, the beef and trash talk is all good until it goes too far. We saw it happen with Khabib, you know, now we're seeing on a smaller level, you know, but still very personal with Poirier. But listen, after this, it doesn't matter. Poirier goes on to his title shot to finally win his title or get a chance to win a title. And, you know, Connor's out for a while. I don't want to think too much about what's next for Connor at the moment. I want to, I think he deserves that time to heal up. But we know Poirier's next for Charles Oliveira uh, probably in December. And uh, I'm looking forward to that, man, especially seeing this Poirier. You know what? I'm going to tell a quick story. Uh, Poirier, I wasn't the biggest fan of a featherweight and early lightweight Dustin Poirier. Uh, I, <laughs> I hated how he dressed, especially when the UFC didn't have uniforms. He wore the flat brim to the side. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he had a shaved head. I always thought he looked strange. And, you know, his demeanor, especially in that Connor buildup. Like, I always thought he was so lame. Um, but, you know, having a kid really changed that man. And, and he's all about his family. And I got to respect that. And, and that's why I'm a fan nowadays. You know, him being one of the best lightweights is secondary to him being one of the best dads that's a part of the UFC. So that was UFC 264. I loved it. Um, I did not fall asleep during this card, which is a rarity. But all that, and we're leading up to this weekend with a much lighter card, but a great name in the main event and a familiar name in the co-main. So let's talk about a few of these fights because there are some fun fun up-and-coming names on this card so names that i'm telling you guys to be aware of and look out for francisco figueredo is fighting that is davison's brother he is on the third the second fight of the night then we have a returning miles johns he reminds me of dc um dj i'm sorry uh, so I do enjoy w watching Miles Johns. I think he's really good. We have two women's strawweight prospects facing each other. Two very good names. Amanda Lemos versus Montserrat Ruiz. Uh, Daniel Rodriguez is back against Preston Parsons. Billy Q versus Gabriel Benitez. We have the return of Hadolfo Vieira versus Dustin Stolzfultz. Then we have 
Matus Gramrot versus Jeremy Stevens. That should actually be a fun, fantastic fight at 155. Then we have the retirement fight for Marion Renault against the returning Misha Tate, one of the most beautiful women in MMA. And I am so excited to see her back. It seems like her head is in the right place. And, uh, I think she's coming back to, to make a run at it, man. I'm looking forward to it. I love, love, love Misha Tate, man. She is such a phenomenal talent and a great mind for the game. You know, we saw her in one. We saw her doing breakdowns on ESPN. She has someone who she is someone who does not need to fight and just does it because she loves it. And I love that about her. I cannot wait to see her back in the cage this weekend. Then, in the main event, the aforementioned Islam Mahachev against Tiago Moses. This is, uh, this is a strange fight, man. Tiago Moses is severely underrated, and Islam is on a run. A huge, huge run. So, I'm looking forward to this fight. Um, Islam is kind of the crowned next big thing. So I want him to live up to his potential. You know, he's on a two, four, six, seven fight win streak at the time. Let's see if he could push it to eight. Um, that is your main event for UFC this weekend. And really quick, we have a great main event for Bellator 262 tonight, Friday, June 16th. We have... Juliana Vasquez against Denise Kielholtz for the women's flyweight title for Bellator. Uh, some of the more notable names on the card in the co-main event, we have Tyrell Fortune versus Matt Mitrione. Uh, Hani Marks is back. Cody Law is back. That's that's great to see. Cody Law is always fun to watch. Uh, up and coming, 3-0. Uh, yeah, and that's about it. It's a it's a top heavy card, you know that that main event's a big one. It's Juliana Vasquez's first title defense since defeating Alima Lay. So I see her defending the title, hopefully against Denise, and then uh, going back to another Alima Lay fight later on this year in Hawaii. So that is Bellator two sixty two. Um, and that's it for this week's YBE MMA. Uh, I am Josh Prebegina. You can find me on all forms of social media, Elroy Prepson, one word. You can find the show on Instagram at YBE MMA Podcast, as well as Teespring, teespring.com slash stores slash YBE MMA Podcast. If it's your birthday, happy birthday. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Love your mothers, guys. I love you, Mom. And we'll see you next week.